This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by LightPoint Portfolio Solutions. Does your organization's retirement plan reflect your faith values? With 25 years of experience in biblically responsible investing, LightPoint Portfolios offers turnkey faith-based qualified retirement plans for businesses, nonprofits, and churches. LightPoint Portfolio seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. Learn more at lightpointportfolios.com. Is there unclaimed money out there with your name on it? Finding it might be easier than you think. Hi, I'm Rob West. It's hard to imagine, but every year, millions of dollars in assets go unclaimed. These are things like insurance benefits or inheritances, and some of it might be yours. I'll tell you how to find it today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Now, I want to be clear that I'm not encouraging you to have a get-rich-quick attitude about this. Proverbs 13.11 warns, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. If you do find unclaimed money in your name, I hope you'll manage it wisely. Okay, let's start with life insurance policies. They're lost more often than you think. Sometimes survivors aren't aware that a policy exists. Paperwork gets lost. Important insurance papers might accidentally get tossed out. The National Association of Insurance Commissioners, or NAIC, says that each year millions of dollars in insurance benefits go unclaimed. So how do you find out if you're the beneficiary of a lost insurance policy? Well, the NAIC has an online tool called the Life Insurance Policy Locator Service. It lets you search nationwide for policies and annuities left behind by deceased family members and friends. You'll need a death certificate to get started. Then you type in some basic information, the deceased's social security number, full legal name, date of birth, and date of death. If there's a match, the insurance company holding the policy will contact you within 90 days. That is, if you're a designated beneficiary or legal representative of the deceased. Since 2016, the Policy Locator Service has matched over a billion dollars in benefits to the folks who should get them. Now, since all insurance is regulated at the state level, several states have their own lost policy locator services. You can check directly with the state insurance commissioner in the state where the deceased lived to see what additional search options are available. You might be wondering how insurance benefits go unclaimed. Well, life insurance companies have access to databases that alert them when a policyholder dies. But that doesn't mean they always find the beneficiary. If you're a designated beneficiary on a policy and the company can't locate you, well, they're required to turn those funds over to the unclaimed property office in the state where the deceased lived. That office is generally located in the state's Treasury Department, so that's another place to check for unclaimed benefits or other assets. Many states have online tools to help you identify unclaimed property in your name. 
Now, if you're a policy holder, you can save your loved ones a lot of grief by taking some preventative steps. Keep your beneficiary designations up to date and make sure the insurer has their latest contact information. Let the beneficiaries know that they're named in your policy and give them contact information for your insurer or agent or both. And always keep the latest copy of your policy with your estate papers. And a great place to store those documents is in a fireproof safe. Okay, now let's say there actually is unclaimed money out there with your name on it, insurance benefits or otherwise. You may not even know about it. This could be almost any type of unclaimed funds like pension plans, 401ks, bank accounts, IRS refunds and savings bonds. There might be uncashed checks, CDs, trust funds, utility deposits, stocks and bonds, wages, and even the contents of safe deposit boxes. There's another great resource for tracking down those assets. People move around a lot, and it's possible to have assets in several states. So a good place to start is at missingmoney.com. It's sponsored by the National Association of Unclaimed Property Administrators and allows you to search more than one state at a time. When there's a match in any state, missingmoney.com gives you information and links to official websites where you can file a claim. And finally, the federal government also has a tool for tracking down unclaimed money that Uncle Sam or anyone else might owe you. This includes tax refunds, benefits from VA life insurance policies, court settlements, bankruptcies, and more. We'll put a link to that site and all the others we've mentioned in today's show notes. So now if there's money out there in your name, you know how to find it. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. By the way, if you have a testimony you'd like to share with us, maybe God's faithfulness in your life financially as you've applied these principles, we'd love to hear that as well. Again, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com and the FaithFi app. You'll find powerful wisdom, free podcasts, articles, videos, and more from leading voices such as Randy Alcorn, Howard Dayton, Ron Blue, and our own Rob West. Grow in wisdom and knowledge by connecting with a community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards at faithfi.com or by downloading the FaithFi app. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm your host, Rob West. The number to call is 800-525-7000. I'm looking forward to hearing from you as we take your calls and questions from across the country. In fact, let's head out to Indiana. Go right ahead, Esther. I have a 529 right now for my granddaughter. She may not be using it, and I was wondering if it would be a good time to take out I, I am aware that there is a 10% penalty on the earnings. I've only made the, the total amount is 10000 I've only made 1000 on it. 
in five years. So I was wondering if I pull it out, I could put it in a CD that can give me either four to 5%. Would that be a wise thing to do? Yeah. Uh, well, you'll have to pay, um, yeah, that 10% penalty. And, uh, you know, you'll also, of course, have the, the federal income tax. Um, the, the question would just be, uh, is there another option? So do you, is she already in school or preparing to go to school? Uh, I do not have any communication with her. That's why oh, it's, I see. I don't believe so. I don't think we'll be okay. using it for her education. I Got have it. two other children, but both of them are not interested in going to school. All right. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, when you, the earnings portion of the 529 plan is going to come out with that 10% penalty, and then you'll have taxes uh, on top of that. Um, you know, the other option is you could roll it into a Roth IRA, but it would have to be in her name. And um, that's going to have to be after fifth, the money's been in there 15 years. So if you really feel like you just need to uh, go ahead and get the money out because of the situation you're describing, then uh, yeah, you would just go ahead and take the withdrawal, pay the penalty, pay the federal taxes on the gains, and then use it, you know, accordingly based on your goals and, and priorities. Um, so what are you thinking you would do with the funds? And was there some other aspect of this that I could help you with? Uh, yeah, the question I have is, if I keep it as uh, and roll it over into an IRA, I'd have to wait another 10 years. Well, I could put in my son's name. Um, yes. So do you think that's that's okay, or do you think we should, I'm questioning it because we haven't made much money on it. Uh, the bank rate right now is 4 to 5% interest, you know, if I put it into a CD. Yeah. Uh, what would you want to earmark these funds for? If you have just, uh, you know, any option available to you, are you wanting to give it to another child? Are you wanting to use it for yourself? What do you think you would earmark it for? Um, I could give it to another child. Like I said, I could give it to my son's Roth account um, or my daughter's. I I just think that I would probably make more at the bank than with this Roth account. It's only made $1,000 in five years. Yeah. Well, as soon as it gets into the Roth, you have unlimited investment options. And as long as you have a long time horizon of at least five, preferably 10 years or more, which in the case of your son, any of your children, you would, if this is earmarked for retirement, then, you know, a stock and bond portfolio, largely stock at their young age is going to be your very best way to build wealth. Now, this is all as of uh, a result of the Secure Act 2.0 and that uh, ability to roll that to a Roth, uh, doesn't start until 2024. So you wouldn't be able to do anything this year. Um, but after 2024, so long as you meet the requirements and including uh, that 15 year uh, requirement, then you would be able to roll that in up to the annual contribution limit. Um, so that would be an option. And then I would say at that point, even though it hasn't performed very well, um, you know, getting it into the Roth would kind of take the blinders off and allow you to invest it in anything. And that's where just building a a solid portfolio for long-term appreciation makes a lot of sense. But again, that couldn't happen until at the earliest January 1st of 2024. Uh, So that would be the next decision to make. If you want to just go ahead and take it out, then obviously you'd have the penalty plus the taxes on a portion. And then you could say, okay, where do I want to go with it from here? Do I want to make a gift to one of my children? Do I want to just keep it for myself and maybe fund your own Roth IRA or uh, just 
just shore up your emergency fund. And then at that point, you'd want to put it in, you know, liquid savings. So I think those are your options here. And I think you just need to get some clarity on exactly who I want this to go to. And based on their needs and what the time horizon is for the money, that's going to determine whether you should go with banking products that are more secure but have less long-term growth potential or, you know, put it into a fund like a Roth with a long perspective where you're investing and trying to outpace what you might receive through a banking product like a CD. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, but I have another thing that just happened. Um, okay. I was in Illinois before, and I had Bright Start, which is an Illinois product, and now yes. I moved to Indiana. Well, I still get the tax breaks. Um, yeah, so that's the, still a 529 plan. Um, so the, the benefit of the 529 is some states offer a state income tax deduction. I believe Illinois is one of those uh, when the money goes in. Um, and then obviously when you come, when, if you take it out and you don't use it for qualified educational expenses, you're going to have to, if you got that deduction, you would have to just check with your tax preparer to see how you would account for that as that money comes out, um, without being used for qualified educational expenses. So you're certainly going to need to ask that question, depending upon which direction you decide to go. Obviously, if you leave it in and then roll it to the Roth next year, then, you know, you're good to go there. You were entitled to that state deduction when the money went in. Um, but if you take it out, that's where you're going to need to check and see if there's any uh, payback or, or penalty you're going to need to account for in that situation. So a lot of moving parts here, Esther. You clearly have a number of options. So I'd just think and pray through it and decide which direction you want to go. And always good idea to check in with your CPA whenever it involves tax-deferred vehicles like this one uh, with a 529. Thanks for your call today. Quickly to Florida. Hi, Bill. How can we help you? Uh, listen, uh, I would li- love to get your opinion uh, and or advice on my plans for retirement and giving. Number one, me and my wife are still working, but plan to retire in four years. We both have 401k IRA uh, plan, uh, plans, uh, which, which total $40,000, uh, $40, and we pay, uh, they, they match us 4%. We add another 6%, making it 10%. Okay, we have that. However, recently we took a $20,000 uh, distribution, paying 10% in taxes, of course, because of our age, to yeah. pay off high yearly rates in credit cards, hospital bills, and miscellaneous bills, creating a $1,500 surplus in our income. And okay. this is after paying our tithing and regular monthly bills and a little chunk for, you know, for entertainment. We would love to pay off our home, which is valued at $480,000, and we owe 150000 at 2.8%. Our mortgage is $1,560. Should we take the surplus and add it to our principal of the monthly, of the um, home monthly? That's the question. Yeah. And how far away is retirement? Retirement is about four years. We like to pay off our home in five years. Okay, good. Yeah, I love that plan. I think if you could have the home paid off as close to retirement as possible, that's going to take your largest expense off the table, just like you did by paying off the credit cards. And now all of a sudden you have this surplus, you're going to have even more surplus, which means when you get into retirement, now your monthly need is much lower. So I think that's a great goal. So stay on track with your current retirement savings, but take this surplus and put it toward the house. And if you could do that close to retirement, 
time, maybe you work a little longer, or maybe you still have it hanging on for the first year, I think you'd be thrilled that you did because now your monthly expenses are that much lower and it just makes it easier to solve for that number. Thanks for your call, Bill. Uh, We've got some lines open for your questions at 800-525-7000. Give us a call. We'll be right back. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. Have you downloaded the FaithFi app yet? You need to do that today because this is going to make your life easier. Yes, you can manage your money through the in-app envelope feature, but also plan out future goals. I want to buy a house in five years and I'm on track to do that. Here's also what I like. You can connect with people around the country. It's like social media, but better. Ask a question, get an answer and share what you're learning about money and investing. So why don't you grab your phone right now and download the FaithFi app? We're back. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for taking the time. As we head into our calls and questions, I want to take a moment to ask you if you've downloaded the FaithFi app. You can use it on your desktop or your mobile device. All right, let's head to the phones. By the way, if you have a question, just call 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. To uh, Chicago. Hi, Sherry. Go ahead. Hi, Mr. West. Praise the Lord. I I received um, an inheritance of $159,000, and I I was trying to find out if whether or not I had to pay taxes on it. My mom says that typically when you inherit money, you don't have to pay taxes. Yeah, your mom's exactly right. Uh, that's that's the good news there, Sherry. Uh, inheritances are not taxable. So there's no federal inheritance tax, and Illinois has no inheritance tax either. Uh, if there's any tax due, it would be paid by the estate, not the beneficiary. So prior to it being uh, passed to you as an inheritance, if there was taxes due, the estate would pay them. But uh, most estates don't pay inheritance tax either because the uh, they have to be in excess at least this year of $12 million, the total estate before there would be any estate tax. So nobody's paying any tax on this, which gives you the opportunity, Sherry, to take a step back and say, Lord, what would you have me to do with this money? Well, I did pay off um, the, um, the rest of my house That's great. and credit card bills. And I have $30,000 left and I was putting that to the side for the taxes, what I thought would okay. be about, but I wasn't sure. Now, yeah. I definitely need prayer for tithing because I didn't do that. Um, maybe you could pray for me on that, everybody who's listening. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I would lean into that and ask the Lord to show you what it is that might be holding you back. Sometimes it's the fear of loss that can really stymie us and cause indecision. Uh, because when we don't have a lot, well, it's a little easier to hold it loosely with an open palm. But when we have more, we have this fear of losing it, and we tend to kind of clench that fist closed a little bit tighter. And that's an issue of the heart, which all financial issues are. Uh, and I'm not pointing my finger at you, Sherry. It, it affects all of us. We have to say, you know, if, if money issues are heart issues, and, and God has always been about our hearts, money is the most tangible way uh, that every day we work out our faith. And so I think, you know, for each of us, we have to be on our knees saying, Lord, what would you have me to do with your money? I don't want to hold it tightly because you're my provider. And so that allows me when I recognize God owns it all and I'm his money manager, now I can return a portion or, you know, however much you decide to him and know that, you know, I can participate in God's activity through my giving. I know that God's uh, provision is complete, and I trust Him to continue to provide for me because I'm His child, and He said in His Word that He will. And so that allows me to give freely, uh, but we always have to be checking our hearts. What's our motivation behind how much we're keeping and how much we're giving? How are we thinking about it? And are we doing it to please man or to please God? And so uh, it's a great reminder for us, Sherry, that Um, we all need to be on our guard in that. Let me pray for you here real quick. Uh, Father, we're so thankful for you. We know this is a high calling you give us as money managers of your resources. Lord, help us to be generous, to hold what we have loosely, to give it to you freely. Thank you for the privilege of being involved in your work. And Lord, help us to seek you first in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Sherry, thanks for your call today. We're grateful for you. To Alabama. Hi, Stella. How can I help you? Hello, and thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Okay, it's it's about my son. Um, I would like uh, to hear from you. What would be your advice for uh, a young man that he he graduated last year and he got a good job? He's paying his rent, and the rent uh, time is over on July of this year, and okay. he is planning to buy a house instead of renting again. So, so the thing is that he doesn't have any debts, but he wants to be uh, to buy a house of around three hundred thousand. Okay. He say he's able to pay uh, the quotes, and uh, he will have enough money to pay the bills, and uh, and uh, he'll be fine. And 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 he's planning on on give one or two of the rooms to some friends to, to live there so they can pay something to him and he and he helps also with the payment and he will have more uh, free money. So yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's a big debt. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a massive purchase, but I can understand why he might want to do it. I think the question is to make sure whether he's doing this too quickly and whether he's really ready financially for it. Uh, he may be, and that'd be great. He may not be, though. I'd hate for him to make this major purchase and try to rush it if he's not quite there yet, just in terms of his saving, uh, being able to have an emergency fund plus a down payment. The other concern I have is just making sure that if he's counting on these other uh, tenants,
tenants, if you will, that are going to rent rooms to cover the mortgage. What if one of them walks out in the night and decides he wants to do something else? What if we get into, you know, difficult times here with a recession and, you know, he can't keep all the rooms rented or, uh, you know, he can't charge as much because they can find something less expensive. So let me ask you this. Um, First of all, how much does he have for the down payment? He got uh, 30000 30000 All right. So he's only going to be able to put 10% down. So that would be the first red flag is I'd really love for him to put at least 20% down, which is going to ensure that he doesn't have any private mortgage insurance, which is an unnecessary expense, about 1% of the mortgage uh, you know, per year that he would have to pay uh, just as an insurance uh, to the lender. It doesn't do anything for him. So that's an extra cost if he doesn't have 20% down. Plus, with only 10%, he's got not a whole lot of equity there. So for instance, if we hit a deeper recession this year and interest rates stay high and let's say this red hot housing market which has already cooled some continues to cool and is actually down uh you know could he be upside down in the house it's possible and so that's why i, I like for folks to have at least 10 percent down the other question i would have is what is that total monthly payment without other renters um would it be uh would he be able to cover the mortgage by himself with his own income or does he need to have the other renters in order to do that no, I'll ask him, in the worst scenario that you don't get them, are you able to pay that? Yeah. He pays like my 50% of what we see. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's the key is he really wants to make sure this mortgage payment is no more than 25% of his take-home pay. So I would just have him go slow. I'd have him save more and perhaps buy a smaller house. Thanks for listening. Hey, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to let you know that you don't ever have to miss a program. Just download our FaithFi app for your mobile device and take us with you anywhere. Thanks for joining us today. I look forward to talking with you again next time on Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.